What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Ben Miller is the CEO and co-founder of Fundrise, America's largest real estate investment platform. In this conversation, we talk about the real estate market, we talk about interest rates, and we talk about all of the different trends for investors in the real estate asset class since the start of the global pandemic. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ben, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Abra. Based in California and backed by top VC firms, Abra is an all-in-one, simple, secure app that allows you to trade over 110 cryptocurrencies, get 0% interest loans using your crypto as collateral, and earn interest with up to 14% APY on stablecoins and 8.15% APY on Bitcoin. You can join nearly 2 million users by downloading Abra from the Google Play or Apple App Store. If you download the app today, you'll get $15 in free crypto once you fund your account. You can go to Abra.com to learn more. You came, you invested, now conquer. Abra, conquer crypto. Abra.com, go check it out today. Today's episode is brought to you by Unstoppable Domains. Unstoppable Domains is the number one provider of NFT domains. These aren't traditional domains. These are domains with superpowers. With your unique NFT domain, such as pomp.crypto or pomp.nft, you can replace your long, complex wallet addresses, verify ownership of your NFTs, enjoy the tens of thousands of people who are now using their NFT domain as their Twitter and Discord usernames. Go to unstoppabledomains.com and get your name .crypto, .x, .nft, or a range of other endings for as low as $5. And never worry about gas or renewal fees because with Unstoppable Domains, you pay once and you own it forever. Head on over to unstoppabledomains.com today to check out more about what they've got. Again, go there and you can get any domain with any ending for as low as $5. Unstoppabledomains.com. Today's episode is brought to you by BTCS. BTCS is a NASDAQ-listed company. It's the first U.S. public company to secure many of the top Layer 1 protocols. This quarter, BTCS just launched the beta version of a new digital asset analytics dashboard. From across multiple exchanges, the BTCS data analytics dashboard lets you evaluate your entire portfolio's performance with plans to enable year-end reports and yield earning on your crypto by linking to BTCS staking pools. This groundbreaking dashboard is currently in beta mode. Test out the BTCS data analytics dashboard now by visiting btcs.com. Again, that's btcs.com. Go check it out. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Ben, how are you? Excellent. Dude, I'm super excited to talk with you. So you got myself, you got my brothers, and you've got Bill Pulte here. And uh, maybe let's start with over the last two years, there's been uh, immense uh, chaos, uncertainty, change in in, uh, many financial markets, Uh, but obviously in real estate specifically, what are some of the differences in the investor behavior or consumer behavior that you see uh, on your platform over the last two years? Right. So real estate, people woke up to it as after the pandemic, when they saw housing prices go up 20% in 12 months. There's been this huge influx in demand for real estate as inflation has picked up. People started looking at real estate as a hedge. And uh, we've seen more investors this month than any time history of the company. 
Yeah. And, and so when you see that, uh, I know that Fundrise reported uh, that the client account, so Fundrise is a uh, investment platform where everyday people can go ahead and actually get access to, uh, to real estate. Uh, but you guys recently announced that there was a 22% return, uh, the average annual return. And I think that one of the things that people have a hard time kind of wrapping their head around is the CPI number, the um, uh, kind of inflation measurement officially is around 7% right now. But obviously being able to drive a 22 or more percent return in real estate, some people say that, like, well, that's a better measurement of what we're seeing. It's kind of the devaluation of a currency against a hard asset like real estate. How do you think about that 22% number on the Fundrise platform and how that uh, goes ahead and actually intersects or, or relates to uh, inflation itself? Yeah, that's a great question. That's all we're we basically, do around here. It's the best business show. We've got the greatest questions as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, just to split that apart. So we have like a fixed income part of uh, our portfolio and we have uh, uh, equity or growth. And so our fixed in, so the 22 is an average of, of, a, of us, like a 7% fixed income product and a, and a high growth equity. But if you just look at the equity, you know, if you own residential, you know, the, the returns were like 30, 40% last year. And so, and what, what drove that was we saw rent increases of about 20% starting in May, rents increased like uh, throughout the Sun Belt by about 20%. And that is driven by inflation, right? That is, a, I think rents and, and real estate are, are much better gauge of inflation because you don't have um, technologies often driving down the cost of things. And so that will, will mix into the, the overall gauge and sometimes mask what's happening in people's day-to-day -day lives. So, um, you know, the government printed something like $9 trillion over the last 10 years, and that's finally now making its way into the real economy, driving up prices in a way we haven't seen in 40 years. So when uh, we think about this, um, we've got Bill Pulte here, and Bill obviously uh, is very focused on uh, democratization of access and, and kind of uh, financial empowerment, uh, as we are as well. One of the things that's interesting about the Fundrise platform is you guys are using technology to do the same thing for uh, real estate. So help us understand kind of how that works and what the impact on the average investor ends up being in terms of giving them access to asset classes or assets they might not have uh, previously had access to. Yeah. So when we started Fundrise back in 2012, I remember I went to Wall Street. I went to the number one, or arguably the number one uh, law firm on Wall Street and said, this is what we want to do. We want to democratize access to real estate investing. And they literally said to act to me, why would you bother with a little guy? And that's basically the mindset of the real estate industry, financial industry. Like why bother with individuals? Why bother with like normal investors? And, um, and so it just wasn't, if you wanted to invest in like real estate, the way of a large institution would, it wasn't possible. And we spent like a decade working the SEC using technology to sort of break, break down that barrier. And now people can invest in it. We have a, for $10, like that's the minimum if you want to come into the starter product. So it's, it's the, the democratization of finance has been like a hundred year trend. You know, people used to not be able to invest in stock markets. These stock markets used to be uh, only limited to basically insider sophisticated investors that changed. So, over you know over history you, you, that's been the arc of history arc of change and and it always the status quo institutions you know resist it can't believe it don't think it's a good idea you know think that you need the you know sophisticated professional to make the decisions what's the liquidity like in your funds it's a quarterly liquidity you can just it's like hitting a button 
So you, we have liquidity for investors every, every, uh, every three months. And when you have to sell to get liquidity, do you have to, you know, take a discount in order to get the liquidity or how does that work? No, now we have zero penalty. So you can get out of basically with no cost. It's, we have lines of credit and we basically manage, we have ex, you know, manage liquidity for, so that people can get out. Most people aren't trying to get out. It's, it's actually a really small percentage of people who, who, who um, redeem every yeah. quarter mm-hmm. to a couple percent. If you're investing in real estate, you're not trading it. It's a long-term investment. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like the Barron funds. Have you ever seen Ron Barron? Mm-hmm. talk about his investors. He's like, yeah, if people want to get out, I don't want those investors. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, but it's also true, right? In terms of the fundrise, obviously compounding at a very high percentage, right? I, as you know, in, investing in real estate is- Yeah, I'll have to check uh, it out. Th- th- there's a pretty long-term you know, time horizon. And it, it's one of these things where, uh, was it Warren Buffett says, don't interrupt uh, compounding un- unnecessarily, right? Yeah. Like basically just let it continue. Ben, when you think about uh, portfolio diversification, how much of uh, the investors on the platform are buying just like uh, one type of real estate versus they have exposure to multiple types of real estate? And then how do they look at their portfolio of real estate versus other assets? Let me just, I'll take it in reverse. So most people are invested in stocks and crypto. That's very common. And then what they're looking for is something with a little more stability. Often people are saying, oh, I have like, you know, 99% of my money in crypto, I'm going to take some of it and bank some of it, just put it into a real asset. So um, everybody, almost everyone on the platform, I have, I have some super net, high net worth investors who are just like all in, you know, multiple seven figure investors on a platform, but mostly people see it as a part of their portfolio. And then inside that we have 20 different funds and, and the funds are focused on, you know, we build single family rental housing for rent, which is what I think you guys were just talking about and Pulte knows all about. We, you know, we have industrial we build for, you know, which is e-commerce industrial. We have multifamily in you know, Tampa and, and Austin. So we have a lot of different kinds of real estate and, and most investors end up with a fairly diversified pool because it's, you know, you really, it's, it's generally picking like a building is just too, too narrow. And anything can happen to one building, but not to an asset class. Got it. And then when you think about um, kind of the best way for people to learn about real estate, like what, what do you suggest to folks in terms of the actual education process before they actually become an investor or start to allocate capital? Typically, I mean, an investor can put in $10 on a platform. And so a lot of one way to learn is you put in a small amount of money with $10, right? And you can, we start sending you investment updates on every single property. So you'll get an investment update. It'll tell you, we bought this property. We had think that here's investment strategy. Here's like the economics of it, and and you'll get probably an, an investor up, update on a deal that either you own or that we acquired you know, every day or two. So you'll get what a real estate professional would think about about like a specific real estate investment. So that's like one thing we've done a lot on a platform for education. Other sources is not there's not a lot of great information out there. Bigger Pockets has some good good content. If you are looking for online content, it's, um, but I think the best way to learn is by doing right. The best, like if you want to learn about Bitcoin, go buy some Bitcoin, right? That's like the, a good start. And, and do you see people on the platform? They also own Bitcoin as well as like almost like a virtual real estate, which some people hate hearing. Some people love that description, uh, where they basically are saying, look, I want some analog real estate. I want some virtual real estate or how, how does that look? Yeah. Huge, huge, huge part of our investor base is in, is in crypto. Definitely. 
Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Joe, John, what questions uh, you guys got? Ben, I just want to know like what growth you guys have seen during the pandemic. I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier with kind of just how much real estate has been up over the last year or two years. But from an investor side, like what are retail investors saying? What are they doing, et cetera? Yeah, well, so the platform Fundrise is growing about 100% a year. So we're growing. Uh, it's it's We had to create the category. So people, everybody owns stocks. They're in Robinhood and and. You know, basically crypto is not a category, but most people don't own things outside of the stock market. Actually, it's just not it's it's not an idea that individual investors had had known about before we started the company. It, you have that institutional investors obviously invest in rich capital, they invest in private equity, invest in real estate, but individuals didn't have that, and so we've had to kind of create the category as we've as we've actually built the business. So that's been probably the biggest challenge is getting people to understand that. You, you want to be in hard assets, real assets, not just in financial assets like stocks. And and so, and then the real estate itself, it's the it, reason why you like to be in it is it's just a lot more stable. I mean, our returns, you know, it, it, it are, are just way, the yield and the, and the stability of it are not like the stock market where the stock market could be down, you know, this year it could, the stock market go down 40%, right? That's possible. And, and real estate's likely to clip away at seven and eight percent in, in like, you know, stable markets, like, like, I mean, 2020, March, 2020, when the stock market went down 40%, we were flat. We didn't have any losses. We didn't, we didn't grow that month, that quarter, but we didn't lose. So there's just a, a stability that people who are, who are trying to preserve their wealth will often look to real estate for. Ben, when you talk about how real estate is up 20 to 30% in some instances around the country, is a correction coming? Are we going to see kind of a 10, 20% correction? Do we see something like 2007 or eight or are these sustainable levels and do we keep growing? I mean, this is my opinion, but I think we're in inflationary, we're inflationary 10 years of inflation or, or seven years of inflation. The government can't stop printing money. They're stuck. We have too much debt. And so, and there's, there's not enough labor. It, like to build a building, like to build a house, like we, we build, you know, thousands of houses you can't get labor, you can't get hinges, you can't get refrigerators, you can't get stoves. There's just such a shortage. And it's not just because of the pandemic, it's because the system is, is, is basically there's not enough people. We lost two, you know, two million people left the workforce during the pandemic. So I think we have like a, a long period of inflation. Inflation is gonna drive up real estate. If you look at the 1970s when there was inflation, stock market from 1970, 1980, down 36%. In 10 years, it went down 36% and real estate tripled, unlevered. So if we're in an inflationary period, real estate is one of the better places to be. What do you think about interest rates before we let you go in terms of uh, what do you think is going to happen here? You think uh, rates end up uh, going up? You think they're going sideways, down? You think we get multiple rate hikes? What was the thought process? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the interest rates are, it's, we're borrowing at negative interest rates today, negative real interest rates, right? We Inflation 7% plus and, and we're borrowing at two, two or 3%. And so we're obviously getting negative, we're, we're negative, we're literally paying negative real interest rates today. I, I think that the Fed's stuck. They can only raise rates maybe like 75 bips, and then they just can't raise it any further because the economy can't, it'll push us into a recession if they go much higher than that. And so they'll blink like they did at the end of 2018. And they, and they're just, they won't be able to end quantitative easing. They've just trapped themselves in a, in a period of low interest rate, high inflation, you know, monetary expansion. And, and we're just in this, like, uh, we're going to be in this inflationary reflationary period until essentially some sort of, uh, 
probably late late this decade, some sort of collapse. I mean, it's just at some point the bond market can't continue to basically provide negative interest rates to to the to the economy. It's just it it does right now. We literally have negative real interest rates by huge huge measures. Right, that hasn't happened before, and I think that's like a, a sign of, of unhealth. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think uh, Bill's thought process, my thought process is all very similar in that uh, the ability for them to actually raise rates and keep them high uh, is almost non-existent. And uh, I do question uh, how much of the current rhetoric is them trying to talk markets down and basically signal this really strong stance. And then they're going to basically, you know, wave the white flag and say, hey, I just say one thing that Paul Volcker, right, he did this in the in the in 81 and like he People, he had death threats. People were trying to kill him. And like the idea that there's an individual in politics today with integrity willing to risk their life to raise interest rates. No way. There's no way. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy when uh, when you really think about uh, the game that goes on. It's a confidence game right at the end of the day. And uh, there's a lot of people who say, hey, the more you talk about inflation, the more inflation happens. Uh, Also, the thought process is, can you do the opposite? Can you basically talk it down? I don't know, Bill, what do you think? I think interest rates don't lie. It's like a a poison to inflation. So I think they're trying to scare the market and they'll get maybe one hike and then I think they have to cut. We'll see. Well, raising those interest rates really cause prices to go down in homes. Yeah, yeah. People will, in turn, not take on. They want to be more liquid. They won't take on uh, borrowed money, leverage. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's very clear if they raise interest rates. I mean, you already see it too. Like, there's some cooling off uh, in some markets already, just on the fact that they may raise the rates. Well, look at the commodities; they're all down. Look at Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, do you believe Bitcoin's a currency or a commodity? Yeah, I think it depends on who you're looking at. And I actually don't put a commodity currency as the breakdown. Okay. The way I look at it is. Um, I think that there's a lot of Bitcoiners that treat it as their reserve asset, which would be more akin to like a currency. And so they think of their wealth denominated in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. et cetera. The Wall Street firms that have been buying Bitcoin over the last two, three years, they look at this as their most you know high risk asset. And so they're going to treat it like that risk asset whenever rates end up getting uh, rose, risen, whatever. Uh, then basically they'll go ahead, they'll sell that thing off just like they will their you know growth stocks and, and uh, tech stocks, et cetera. But the Bitcoiners, uh, they look at it as their reserve asset. They buy more when it goes down. Um, the question is just who's got more money. And obviously, you know, Wall Street's got quite a bit of money uh, in this game now. And so they've got a different way to, uh, to to kind of treat the asset. And so they're overpowering the retail investor who's dollar cost averaging or whatever at the moment. Ben, where can we send people to uh, to learn more about uh, Fundrise and if they want to uh, either learn more or participate? Yeah, so Fundrise.com, F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E. And I'm Bennett. I'm Bennett. Um, Fundrise, if you want to email me and just share your thoughts. <laughs> You're going to get thousands of emails now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the email? Right. Yeah, Ben at Fundrise. That's it. Ben at, at Fundrise.com? Yep. Oh, Bill. Uh, just send him an email and say, Pomp says hello. <laughs> <laughs> Bill and I just tweeted that. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Anyone who wants uh, to learn more about real estate, learn about real estate investing, go check out Fundrise. Uh, I really like uh, like what they're doing. And, and frankly, I think that the key piece to me is just this idea of um, – uh, the ethos of bringing democratized uh, democratization uh, and access to an asset class that, you know, uh, I think a lot of people understand, hey, look, there's wealth that's built here over long periods of time, but uh, it's hard for people to uh, 
uh, to get into is uh, uh, pretty good. I see people in the chat saying, I need this for my wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, my friend, thank you so much for joining right. us. Good stuff. I'll see you guys. See you. Right. Later.